Hey everybody, this, uh, this is Becky, it's Becky with the good hair, that's right, it's me. Uh, today, uh, you're tuning into Mad About It, uh, forgot that part, you're tuning into Mad About It, and uh, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, sexual fantasy, uh, why are we talking about sexual fantasy, why are we mad about it, I mean, we're kind of not really mad about it, there are some things about it that we are mad about, but we're certainly not mad about it certainly not mad about sexual fantasy. I, I couldn't have, I, I think honestly, you know, when it comes to uh, life's great joys, uh, I think a little bit of alone time, a little bit of time with your thoughts uh, can be, can be up there in the top five. Um, so sexual fantasy, certainly not mad about sexual fantasy. Um, but uh, what is what is sexual fantasy? Uh, sexual fantasy is uh, anything, any there's a sort of sexuality that's like only in your head. Anything that just is exclusively in your head. Um, you can write it. Uh, I would consider erotica to be sexual fantasy because you experience erotica in your brain. Uh, and um, you know, a lot of people will like you know masturbate when they read erotica and stuff like that um that's a whole separate deal i really want to focus on just the brain game today guys i want to focus on what uh your brain sexuality seems to be because in my experience my brain seems to have a totally different set of preferences uh from my body um yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm sure I'm not alone. I can't be the only person in the world who, uh, who, uh, who, uh, thinks about things sexually that, uh, don't really, like, I, if that happened to me in real life, I'd be really upset. Uh, but, uh, in, 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 uh, my brain, for some reason, it's like, it's totally fair game. Uh, my, my brain has a lot of things that are just completely fair game. It's a little bit, it's a little bit of a mess. It's kind of like, it's, it's my dreams. I blame my dreams. Uh, my dreams seem to be where it mostly comes up. Uh, even for, I remember right when I hit puberty, um, I had my first like sexual dream and that stuff just straight up made no sense. Uh, but, uh, it's undeniable that it's really, really fun. And, um. I definitely realized that I was gay because my first sexual dream was about a woman. And I thought like that doesn't make any sense. Sex is not for uh sex is not for uh for two ladies. I was like, "Well, maybe I'm a man." And it was like, "You know, I don't think I'm a man. I think I just really like ladies." And I googled like what that was cuz we had AOL. So it wasn't Google, it was Internet Explorer. And uh uh yeah, I mean, I, then I figured out that lesbians were a thing, and then I talked to my friend Ryan about it on the bus. But the whole point is the sexual fantasy is what made me kind of get in touch with my sexuality at all. I would argue that the sexual fantasy, like your brain's sexuality, is uh, most of what sexuality is. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think sexual fantasy is kind of just a, a super pure primal subconscious version of your your sexuality but i also don't believe that because if that were true there'd be some really horrible things about myself that i don't know 
and I'm, I'm really confident that I don't have anything to be ashamed of. Um, very, very confident about that, actually. But um, if I were to think that everything that I've ever thought about sexually or just at all had some sort of like reflection on who I was as a person or who I was as a sexual being, I might have a lot of, uh, I might have a lot of, uh, shame or guilt because, uh, not all that stuff was stuff I kept, you know, not all that stuff is stuff that, you know, you, not everything you think about is something that you keep and cherish as part of your personality. Uh, that's just not how it is. So why would that be how it is for sex stuff? You know, if you like, uh, something in your brain sexually fantasy wise, that doesn't really have any indication on whether or not you're going to like something uh, in your real practicing sex life. It, it's kind of amazing. It's a blessing and a curse. Uh, you can think about whatever you want, uh, but um, it's a little confusing sometimes when the real life doesn't match up with the fantasy as far as desire is concerned. Because like, wouldn't you think that your fantasy is your desire? I don't really think that your fantasy is your desire. That's, that's, that's uh, you know, I guess you could just turn it off. But that's pretty much the, the, the whole thing we're going to talk about today is that I don't, that I, we're debating whether or not fantasy and desire are, uh, are uh, uh, you know, codependent or not. I don't really think they are. I think that they're. I think that they're. They're pretty. They're pretty independent. What? What? What is sexual fantasy? How does it relate to your sexuality? Um. I think sexual fantasy uh, can relate to your sexuality. Like there can be parts of your sexuality that uh, are uh, are. Uh, reflected in your sexual fantasies but um i i really feel that uh just the same way that your sexual gender preference like your uh, whether your uh you know what your sexual what your sexuality is uh uh is completely random and not dependent on anything your fantasy preferences are completely random and not dependent on anything sometimes people will develop a, a fetish or a fantasy uh, for something that uh, maybe they have previously experienced as trauma uh, it's pretty common for people to uh, ha have a really bad experience uh, or uh, to be raped or to be taken advantage of or to just uh, have something bad and traumatic happen to them and then years later after they've processed they, you know, they almost kind of seek that out sexually. They don't, you know, and, and it's not seeking out in, in, in a, in a non-consensual way so it's not really the same. You know, I hesitate to say rape fantasy because it's not a rape fantasy because it's a, uh, it's a different sort of thing. It's kind of like you're taking power from, uh, you're taking power from the trauma. You're turning a bad experience into a future series of incredible orgasms. So, like, I don't really think that's that's a rape fantasy. I think that that's uh, 
just a, a really good like empowerment exercise honestly like um so that but a lot of people you know they see that as controversial a lot of people interpret that in a lot of weird ways a lot of people say that that's like proof that all women like secretly deep down want to be raped i think if you have a brain you can understand that that's not how women feel so i don't really feel like i need to explain that uh at all but if you don't think that if you think that all women you know secretly want to be raped just stop listening to my podcast i don't need your i don't need your your downloads i'm 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 content without them uh all right so back on track a little bit um you know if you if you fantasize about something sexually uh sometimes that's a a form of processing sometimes that's just your subconscious sometimes that's your your uh uh your boredom your daydreaming um all sorts of different all sorts of different reasons for this we don't understand thoughts uh very very well yet in general so i'm sure once we like fully understand uh our uh, conscious and our subconscious we can understand our sexual fantasy a little better but until then this is all pretty much just uh speculated uh, remember uh, hardcore nonsense it's some hardcore nonsense uh sexual fantasy is definitely some hardcore nonsense pornography goes hand in hand with sexual fantasy we are not going to talk about porn today like at all um, I know that seems kind of like weird, but we're gonna we're gonna leave porn out of it because porn is this whole other deal. Um, I don't believe that porn is sexual fantasy because it's videos of real people having sex um, in a very theatrical, uh, unnatural way. But you know, it's not really the same as like like erotica is exclusively in your brain. Uh, I just feel like there's too much visual stimulation when it comes to uh, pornography. It just puts it in a different category, in my book at least. So we're not going to talk about porn, we're just going to talk about fantasy. Um, So obviously there's a lot more to sexual fantasy than just like rape fantasy and uh, porn and not porn and stuff. Uh, There's also good, like, happy, good, weird, unrelated sexual fantasies. Um, You know, there are uh, sexual fantasies that have uh, uh, almost a sickly sweet silver lining to them. I don't know. Like, there are some people that um, have... Does everybody know about bronies? Um, Bronies are straight guys that are... uh, super super into my little pony some of those people some of those guys straight up feel sexually attracted to cartoon unicorns um furries you know furries people that uh, get off on dressing up as a uh, giant cartoonish furry costume like whole body costumes and just you know a whole body immersion in something else that's a, such a version of sexual fantasy um you know, some people might say that furry is a sexuality, but I think it's a, an extremely elaborate, acted out sexual fantasy. Um, so there's a lot of different examples of sexual fantasy in the real world. Um, besides, of course, you know, the obvious uh, continuous objectification of women 
as sexual objects. I'm talking like weird stuff that you don't think about. I'm talking about stuff that's not obvious. I'm not talking about like perfume ads and diamond ads and all this stuff. I'm talking about like, uh, I guess we can talk about that too. Uh, all that, all that is sexual fantasy too. All, all types of advertising is sexual fantasy. What they do to your brain, they tra- try to trigger a sexual response in your brain. And that's, uh, that's sexual fantasy. They're using sexual fantasy to sell things. Um, it's a real dopamine response to your brain. It's a real response to, to, uh, to have this sort of like sex response, uh, triggered by visual and, uh, spoken or written language. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of like positive, uh, campy, uh, there's just every manifestation of sexual fantasy. There's there's all sorts of different types of, of sexual fantasy. Some of them are good. Some of them are are, are uh, debatable. Um, you know, probably the most interesting ones to talk about are the debatable ones. So that's what that's what we're gonna get into probably the most. But um, I just uh, I wish that we could spend all the whole episode just talking about like positive sexual fantasies but you could also just like i don't know listen to one of those like audio erotica things instead there's a lot of like erotica podcasts so this is not like a turn you on podcast that's not my goal at all if you couldn't tell i have not been flirting with you at all so uh but uh yeah there's all sorts of different uh types of sexual fantasies that you can have just the same way you get any other type of fantasy uh, the whole point of fantasy is that it's, uh, you know, limitless. Um, also, you know, a lot of sex is just kind of hormones and, uh, and, uh, urges and, uh, biology and, uh, instinct. And sometimes our subconscious kind of gets stuff mixed matched, mismatched, mixed up. So, like, uh, I know some, I've had, one time this guy told me this weird story, but, um, I just know a lot of different instances of people getting sexually and emotionally attached to objects or things of sentimental value or just completely random things. Just totally random things. Um, A sexual reaction to like an object in a dream that they would never normally have an object. Like I remember uh, one time my friend told me that uh, he had like a like a blanket with him in his in his trip this is this was he wasn't asleep he was tripping he had a blanket with him in his trip the whole time and he felt like his blanket would like was his girlfriend he was like convinced that his blanket like was his girlfriend to the point where he was like i was like a little bit aroused by that blanket in that trip um i find all of this a little suspicious but i also know that that guy was a hundred percent uh on something i'm not sure if his trip was that good but um he seemed to be convinced about it and uh my point is is that you know sexual feelings can be directed towards anything or anyone uh in any time in any circumstance in the sexual fantasy world they don't really in the, even in real life um uh, people experience object sexuality and uh, people I once watched a little documentary on about a lady who fell in love with a roller coaster um, I was suspicious of that lady for sure and uh, I, I try not to feel pity towards people I feel like uh, pity is a, is a terrible thing 
but uh, I felt pity towards that roller coaster lady. I I don't really uh, I just don't. I I I respect all sexualities, but I have a real hard time with roller coaster sexuality. That's something that um, to me, and it's just I I I have a hard time with any relationship that can't be both ways. You know, I just my my I don't have any problem with her falling in love with a roller coaster. You know what I have a problem with? I have a problem with her being in a relationship with somebody that does absolutely nothing for her. That's what I have a problem with. That roller coaster doesn't do fucking anything for that lady, other than like uh you know memorabilia style. You know, and I get it. She's in love. She she told she tells you about it in the documentary. Like I get it. She makes her she makes her argument. Um. I saw the argument. I watched that thing twice. Watched the argument twice. Uh, I, I don't buy it. Uh, I just, I just have, I, I just, again, I just have, a, I have a real beef with, uh, with uh, people that are in a very one-sided relationship. So that's really the root of this. It's not, I don't have a prejudice against roller coaster lovers, but uh, uh, I do have prejudice against uh, lazy, selfish assholes like that fucking Ferris wheel. Was some nonsense. It wasn't really a roller. It was a, it was a Ferris wheel. I'm pretty sure. Uh, an incomplete Ferris wheel, also. Anyway, um, so it didn't, it didn't even work. Didn't run. Uh, so your fantasies and what you really want in reality don't have anything to do with together. Don't have anything to do with each other. What do we do with that information? It, well, it's not always true. And uh, it's also kind of like, well, uh, is your sexual fantasy, does that, uh, does that stay the same throughout your life? You know, like if you're really into something now, are you really going to be into that later? I mean, unless it's a, se- unless it's a separate sexuality, uh, I don't, th- I, I, I think that sexual fantasy is constantly fluid, constantly changing. Um, uh, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that, uh, uh, it's, it's quite as fast paced change as, uh, as, as pornography is. I think it's, uh, I think it's changing in the sense that, uh, if you, if you don't watch porn, I know most people that I've, ta- I've talked to some girls that argue that, that that masturbated about like one thing for like four or five years and then changed to another thing for like four or five years. I know some people that they'll masturbate to something for like a month. I know other people that like can't masturbate to the same thing twice. Um, and it's like, you know, what are they masturbating to? How are they masturbating? What's going on? All these different factors, a lot of different factors to take in. But I, I, I do think that it's it's just a, a bit of an objective observation that your sexual fantasies are something that, that are constantly uh, kind of adjusting uh, based on your mood, based on your uh, your health, based on your, uh, your life, your relationships, uh, stress, you know, I, and, and, and it kind of goes with libido. I would definitely say that when I have a high libido, um, I, I would say that I, I have more sex, but I'm not sure that I would say that I have more sexual fantasies. Uh, when I have a low libido, 
I'm not sure that the sexual fantasies go hand in hand with that either. Sometimes I'll have a ton of sexual fantasies and just like not uh, be able to perform. So I'm not really sure if if your libido has much to do with your sexual fantasy. I would say that there's got to be a general trend that if you have a high libido, you are also fantasizing a lot sexually. I, I know a lot of uh, talked to a lot of my guy friends about how they just like, you know, if they have if they're high libido, that's just all they think about. They just all they think about is sex. So um. I feel like from the female perspective, I, I just, I feel like I'm handicapped in this way. I have a pretty good grip on my, uh, on my, uh, libido as a, as a, an adult female. I, I, I would say that it's high, but I would say that it doesn't control my life at all. But, um, yeah, so I'm not sure. I would say that high libido probably comes with a rampant amount of sexual fantasies. That would, that correlation would make sense. But I would also say that I, I don't think that there's a, a, a like a, a guaranteed association with those things at all uh, should you know should should you if you really like a certain sexual fantasy should you try to bring that into into real life should you make that like a real thing I don't know I I just I kind of like it staying in my head I think that the whole argument of having it in your head is that it stays there and it's yours and it's like nobody ever needs to even understand. Like you don't even need to articulate what it is. You can just kind of keep it to yourself forever. Um, you know, is replication the point? I don't think so. I'm sure that there are a lot of people that get really, really fixated on replicating their sexual fantasies. Um, I know that that's true. Obviously, it's true because the kink community exists. And the kink community is pretty much a community of people who are dedicated to realizing, actualizing their sexual fantasies. So, um, I am not super dedicated to actualizing my sexual fantasies. I really like them staying in my head. Uh, and my real life in physical body, uh, physical expression of my sexuality seems to not be super in line all the time with my fantasies but if if it, if you get off actualizing your sexual fantasies then that's actually absolutely what you should do as long as it doesn't harm anybody else there's no reason not to do it um which brings us into our next point does acknowledging a sexual fantasy lift a personal burden or plant a seed for something not so great you know um there's a really good argument uh for suppressing certain sexual fantasies for suppressing certain sexual urges um obviously the number one thing that comes to mind as far as sexual fantasies that should be suppressed uh, legally has to be uh, sexual fantasies about you know underage peoples uh, we're probably gonna have a whole episode about pedophilia uh, all the different types of pedophilia the different age categories um, if you didn't know there's more than one type of pedophilia it's a, it's a very common it's very uh, not common um, it's a very complicated disorder uh, it's also arguably a sexuality. Um, I think that 
I think that they might have, I think that they've pretty much come to the consensus that, that pedophilia is a sexuality, but the thing about it is that as a society, it's not acceptable for us to, uh, let pedophiles, you know, be themselves. There's not going to be a pedophile rights movement. Um... The other problem, though, with pedophiles is that our society hates them so much that, um, you know, it's a very complicated and nuanced issue that is not being treated in a nuanced way. Again, I am not at all advocating for pedophiles in any way, shape, or form. I'm more just advocating for, uh, uh, civility and, uh, 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 not jumping to huge conclusions 24-7 and not having uh, the public uh, be hyper aware and hyper paranoid about um, something that is pretty rare that uh, is also uh, pretty well under wraps as long as we aren't uh, being a little irrational about how we take care of things. I just, we'll get into it later with the pedophile, with the pedophile episode. But, um, so there are definitely sexual fantasies that, uh, are socially completely unacceptable. Uh, another completely unacceptable socially, uh, sexual fantasy has to be rape fantasy. But a lot of people have rape fantasies. Um, and there's a pretty compelling argument about, uh, pretty, pretty compelling argument about how, uh, there's basically just a cycle of, of sexual violence and, um, that most rapists, uh, have a history of sexual trauma that is usually similar to the sexual trauma that they caused other people later in their life. So if they were abused as a child, uh, they're more likely to be a child, uh, have a sexual offense towards a child of some, some variety to be sexually abusive towards children. If they were sexually abused themselves, they're more, they're more likely to be sexually abused, um, abusive towards other people when they're adults. Um, uh, the same thing with just the cycle of uh, domestic violence, you know, if your dad uh, beat the crap out of your mom growing up, beat the crap out of you, there's a pretty good chance you'll grow up to beat the crap out of your spouse and your kids. And it's not a guarantee, and it's not a guarantee with the sexual violence thing either. I'm not saying that all rape, all rape victims grow up to be rapists. I'm saying that some of them, some of them do. And I think that that might be the key to understanding uh, why people do this at all. There's a lot of people, especially uh, men's rights people, there's a lot of people that say that a rape is just a totally natural part of sexuality. That rape is just, a, it's just, it's just like, it's like the sun and the moon and the stars and the grass and the sky and the water and the, you know, the wind. As sure as there is wind, there is rape, you know? So, uh... I think that, that that's a perspective that we can't ignore, but uh, certainly it's, it's also not a perspective that I think we should promote. Uh, I think we should be promoting uh, a, a future of consensual sexual relations, 
Doesn't that sound amazing? And uh, consensual sexual relations also involves, you know, not having sex with kids. So that's that's where sexual fantasy versus legal stuff, you know, um, you know, you just can't you can't ever justify pedophilia. You just can't do it. If if you if you believe in the way that we uh, see age consent in the modern age, but anyway, uh, we're really off topic. We're gonna talk about pedophilia in a whole separate episode. We're gonna go straight back to sexual fantasy. They're not related. Uh, one's a sexuality and one is a consciousness. It's a whole different. It's a whole different thing. Um, okay, so you know why do we have sexual fantasies at all? We have sexual fantasies to escape uh, reality, same way we have any other type of fantasy. But our sexual fantasies tend to be. Uh, really really uh uh personalized uh individualized uh also just kind of uh you know any type of thing with our sexuality ends up being very intimate and very personal and uh you can't really you can't really talk about anything related to sexuality and not uh take an, an extremely uh close look at something really really intimate and upsetting sometimes you know uh, people just have a really hard time talking about this stuff. You know, our culture really quiets people's urges, especially women. Um, I was I was researching for this a bit, and uh, they said that women overwhelmingly scored higher on all of the different like guilt tests than men in every category, in every circumstance. Women. Uh, said that they experienced more guilt with their sexual fantasies and more guilt with their sexual urges than men do both both genders set men and women experience guilt with their sexual fantasies but uh uh women experience a more intense type of guilt as well as just the straight up more percentage of them experience guilt so um So, you know, like we said, there's a, there's a big difference between pedophilia and, uh, uh, there's a big difference between, uh, pedophilia and sexual fantasy but um rape is a really common sexual fantasy infidelity is a really common sexual fantasy threesomes are a really common sexual fantasy sex at work is a really common fantasy so if you notice anything about the, all the common fantasies um uh, you know i wouldn't say that pedophilia is a common fantasy at all i'm gonna edit that part out uh pedophilia is not a common fantasy but um these other common fantasies infidelity threesome sex at work these these fantasies uh they are all things that are really common <laughs> that are just kind of in our social framework so um you know the things that happen the most often are the things that people fantasize the most about is that a self-fulfilling prophecy i think so uh 
there seems to be a lot of evidence of fantasy eventually manifesting but um it doesn't always happen and uh it shouldn't always be expected to happen and uh and it's a it's a complicated thing because um sometimes you know we're talking about a sexual fantasy like an infidelity sexual fantasy is not on the same level as a, of, of offense as a rape fantasy socially uh you know rape is definitely worse than infidelity um socially but we kind of have to apply the same logic to everything no matter what the offense is and that can be really tough because there's a lot of emotional responses that come with all these topics like talking about this stuff is not easy it's not easy to talk about rape fantasy it's not easy to talk about even infidelity fantasies it's not easy for people to talk about anything regarding the sex so um it's important to you know just like continuously congratulate yourself for not turning it off but uh they the the more often the fantasy happens uh the more common it is that we see it and um so that that kind of brings us to the opposite end of the spectrum very very uncommon sexual fantasies uh very very uncommon sexual fantasies are usually partnered with some sort of other dysfunction so uh when when does sexual fantasy become a crime sexual fantasy becomes a crime when you do something terrible that as a result of your sexual fantasies and uh, whether you know chicken before the egg is the big argument here do, do the sexual fantasies cause these sex sex crimes these fan- fantastic sexual crimes they're 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 fantastic uh examples of exaggerated uh terrible dehumanizing sort of uh, crimes so uh is the sexual fantasy responsible for that is it is it just a bystander is you know what how 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 much how much how much thought policing needs to happen does any thought policing need to happen i think you know most rational people would say no thought policing needs to happen but most rational people don't have an overwhelming amount of irrational thoughts so their perspective is not going to be the same as somebody with a lot of irrational thoughts i feel like if i if i couldn't trust my brain i might not say yeah we shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't police thoughts i might say i might say we should try to we should try to uh censor porn censor things like this censor censor what we know because what did we just talk about we just talked about how the most common things in our society are the most commonly fantasized about things so that means that anything that's in the most popular anything that's in the top 10 list um is probably gonna happen so if violence against women is in the top 10 list then it's always gonna be this cycle of violence against women if we take violence against women out of the top 10 list if we make it so taboo to be violent towards women so unbelievably taboo that 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 it's a it's a it's a atypical 
uh, extremist, like, off event. That's much better than what we're dealing with. You know, the more we can make it off the, the more we can make it, you know, the, the least popular option, the less it's going to happen. Because it seems to be that the, that the, 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 the public thought cloud is the best indicator on how much any of these things are going to happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, why do people have, like, what are sadistic sexual fantasies? Like, what, what is, what are all these bad versions of this? The violent, uh, you know, age stuff, you know, taking advantage of people that are way too young. Um, uh, you know, sadistic, uh, violent, manipulative, mutilating, horrible sex crimes. Why do, why does any of this happen? Um, I'm going to go ahead and argue that, that, that sexual fantasy might be an indicator of something like this, but it's not the cause. You know, um, I know I just said that whatever the most popular thing was is going to, is going to manifest. And I think that that's true, but I don't think that, I don't think that this stuff is the most popular. I don't think that, and I, and I don't think that something like, uh, I don't think that clumping things like BDSM and Fifty Shades of Grey does anything to, to, uh, I don't think that like, uh, that promoting those things encourages sadistic, violent behavior because, uh, kink and BDSM are, are, uh, consent obsessed. They are obsessed with consent in a lot of ways, the kink and the BDSM community, the best of it, the be- I'm not talking about the worst of it. I'm talking about the best of it. The best of that community is some of the most progressive sex positive. Uh, they're like the vision of the future, I think. The worst of it is what we're talking about, uh, but uh, the the best of it is 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 not the problem. There's there's nothing inherently wrong with kink or BDSM. the The problem happens when you combine um, when you combine uh, someone who is neurotic or uh, someone who is narcissistic or someone who is uh, uh, you know, got, got some real sort of psychopathic complexes, like somebody who might actually just be a psychopath. Um, I've seen a lot of references in my research to this. I've seen a lot of references to, uh, to, uh, 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 something called the dark triad. So I'm going to give you a brief intro what the dark triad is. Dark triad is, uh, uh, a subject in psychology, it focuses on three traits, narcissism, Machiavellianism, and psychopathy. Um, uh, I, I, it's, narcissism is, uh, you know, a grandiose sense of self, pride, a huge ego, and a total lack of empathy. You know, you think you're the best and you think everybody else sucks and you just don't give a fuck. Uh, Machiavellianism, uh, is uh, manipulation, manipulation, exploitation of others, uh, just no regard for morality, only care about yourself, uh, and just deceive other people to benefit yourself at any, at any, at any point. And uh, psychopathy—I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong—is uh, 
Antisocial behavior, impulsivity, selfishness, callousness, remorselessness. All of this sounds like Trump. Um, I think he might be the dark triad. We might need some more. I think there, if we could turn the dark triad into the dark, like, you know, endless list of insults, that would be endless, endless lists of, 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 of disorders. Uh, he seems to have all of them. But, um... So this is this is the sort of person that you know you don't want to be with anyway. This sort of person, uh, they have found a relationship between extreme, extreme outlier type. I'm not talking everybody in kink. I'm not talking even like a chunk of people in kink. I'm talking like outliers, outliers in kink, outliers in BDSM, who uh, identify with the. Who, who who are who who I identify with with a part of this triad somehow, who are who who fit who fit these descriptions, who are also interested in this sex and they will uh, they get off on you know an an omnipotent vibe over their sexual partner they get off on uh, just a total power total domination sort of thing and that's that's the thing that. Um, you know, when you talk to somebody about kink or PDSM, for some reason, that's like straight where they go. And uh, I also, uh, I, I was briefly involved in the kink scene when I lived in Chicago. And um, there are definitely people like that. If you go to some of these uh, more hardcore clubs and uh, there are people that are there to take advantage of like victimized women who uh, who are looking for community and they they are they don't have any empathy and they don't care about their situation they're just trying to take advantage of you and they target they target low self-esteem women and um and all sorts of just horrible stuff happens this is normal stuff this shouldn't be shocking to anybody but it is a little shocking um that everybody like kind of groups all of kink with this i think that's really inappropriate like you can't talk to people about kink hardly at all that aren't kinky themselves because they they just are shell-shocked by what you're talking about um and they either like don't know enough to be upset or do know enough to be upset but the thing about it is that if you know enough to not be upset you're either like a little bit kinky yourself or uh like very very interested in some weird stuff for no reason for your own personal you know like if you have no interest in it yourself i think that's it's not weird but that's i i i am that way i think it's weird i i i am fascinated with kink and bdsm but am not kinky myself so um yeah i guess i am calling myself weird but I'm also calling you weird if you're that way. We can be weird together, though. It's okay. But anyway, so narcissism correlates with impersonal sexual fantasies. Duh. If you are a narcissist who doesn't have empathy towards other people, sex isn't going to magically give you empathy at all. Uh, you know, romantic empathetic sensitive emotional people always think that sex has those things but if you're not a romantic intimate emotional person sex is not going to magically give you those things 
and you're not going to want them. And if you don't like them in your day-to-day life, you're probably not going to like them in your sex life. So um, I know some kink people that say that intimacy is a form of rape, like unwanted intimacy, unwanted emotional commitment is a form of rape. I think those people have a profound misunderstanding of what uh, rape and uh, violation is. But, um, so I disagree. But uh, that's that, you know, we're talking about people that don't, people that are just not interested in emotional connection. Uh, that's, a, that's a small, small, tiny, quiet chunk of the kink community. And uh, that's not really... Uh, that's not really everybody in there at all. But it's it's a good thing to mention that you can be a sexual person. You know, we have the asexual uh, asexuality episode. You can be a very sexual person who is not romantic whatsoever. Um, I'm sure we all have a girlfriend who will tell you about it. But also, I'm telling you about it now. Serial killers are often also sexually fucked up. That's not a super uncommon thing. I think we've all watched Law and Order SVU. Um, And I think that, 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 you know, what I'm talking about, you know, if you don't have empathy in your day-to-day life, if you don't have emotional intimacy in your day-to-day life, you're not going to suddenly wake up with excess amounts of it just when you're fucking somebody. And, uh... Yeah. So their sex becomes something else entirely. You know, like if you, if, if uh, intimacy and, and emotion and connection are not a quality of your sex, what does that leave? A ton of other things. There are a lot of other options. It becomes about power, becomes about uh, possession, becomes about control. It becomes about anything else that you want it to be. Uh, it's not a worse way of having sex. It's just a different way of having sex. As a as a very emotional, romantic, intimate person, I would not choose that myself. I have tried to make it work, but I I, I need like a I need like a, a highly emotional bond with my partner in order to enjoy any of it. So it, you know, kink might be on the horizon, but for right now, I'm just really enjoying being a soft, mushy, kind of burnt marshmallow. Uh, and, uh, but like I said, some, some people that are really, really into kink and other such sort of sexual fantasies, um, it's not like they're not enjoying sex. They're just not enjoying the same things about sex that like romantic people do. Uh, There's also a ton of romance and kink. I'm not saying there's no romance and kink. I'm just saying from my observation as somebody who is just kind of a wallflower and somebody who mildly participated, it seems like. A lot of people that really get off on uh, sadomasochism and power play and uh, uh, different sorts of uh, kinky sexualities, they all get off on the qualities of sex that are aromantic in nature. Like, that's not really what it's about. It's about a sexual fantasy that's, that's got other emphases, other components, other, other moving parts of the wheel that's going on so uh yeah if you've ever wondered like oh my gosh those people are so crazy and they're so scary eh it's just sexual fantasy it's no different than you daydreaming about getting blown you know um 
whether you're a dude or a chick, you know, uh, oh, I said it, chicks. But, uh, you know, you know, I know women that have blowjob fantasies uh, in order to come for their, uh, for their, for their partners, even if their partners are male. Uh, and I think it's because we live in a hyper-sexualized society that's only hyper-sexualized for men. Like, men are the sexual ones and women are, like, the, the, the vessels, I guess. But, um, uh, you know, men are the sexual people in our society. So, gay men don't... They gay men, they, they have sexual dysfunction in a totally different way than a lot of lesbians do. A lot of lesbians have sexual dysfunction in that they just, like, don't really enjoy, uh, like, sex as thoroughly as uh, other orientations might be able to. They also can enjoy sex like 400 times more than everybody else. We have, you know, the most access to everything. Like, we're the super versatile. Women are like pleasure machines. It's amazing. Like, if you know what you're doing, you can really get it done. But, uh, my point is, is that, like, women are very, very sexually repressed in our culture. Whether you're gay, straight, any of it. Uh, it just, you're, 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 women are sexually repressed. So, uh, uh, they feel more guilt their sexual fantasies are uh silenced in their own brains like we have our we have our own mute settings on and i think that we could all do a much better job of turning the mute settings off everybody wins you know if you're a straight girl out there listening trying to figure out uh you know what your boyfriend wants your boyfriend wants probably he probably unless he's an asshole he probably wants you to just be really sexually confident in your own skin and to want him the same way that he wants you you know that's probably what he wants same way with anybody else anybody everybody wants that everybody wants to be wanted and to want you know i it's 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 pretty straightforward but if you feel like your sexuality is not enough, if you feel like you aren't enough, if you feel like you aren't a sexual person or something, that's like a whole different thing that you just need to like come to terms with. You know, either recognize what's not happening or something. I don't know. We should all be enjoying sex. We should all be enjoying sexual fantasies. Uh, we should not be discriminating against each other for what our sexual fantasies are, but we should also be, uh, you know, really aware of, uh, whether or not everybody is enjoying themselves, you know, consent and, uh, uh, just raising our kids to understand that, like, other people exist. You know, like, the, the whole point of the, of the narcissism, dark triad, Machiavellian, neuroticism stuff, all that stuff is, uh, psychopaths, all the, all that stuff is about how, you know, sexual fantasies don't, they aren't a bad thing until they get, you know, until they hang out with the wrong crowd. None of this is a problem until it's, until it's the wrong crowd. Uh, does that make any sense? So yeah, kink is not bad, but you know, if you're a psychopath who's into kink, you might have a real hard time, uh, knowing when to, uh, you know, stop or if you should even stop or any of it. 
but also we should not be worried about those people we should not be like living in fear of those people because uh they're pretty rare and if you've ever been curious about kink and you're trying to figure out what's what's going on definitely don't be worried about that guy because everybody else is 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 on it and uh if you do have a bad experience and you feel like your community is silencing you about it then you need to leave that community because it's not a good that's not a good king community so if you're in a good healthy king community the supportive and it's great and uh you know something bad happens to you it should not be difficult to uh to uh get get heard it shouldn't be it shouldn't be hard to get heard and if you don't get heard you should do something about it you should always always keep talking always try to always try to get help always try to always try to raise the roof about it because uh um it should be a safe place for everybody everybody in king should be should be safe and uh, having a good time and having consensual sex there's somebody out there that wants to do all of the craziest shit that you've ever thought that you wanted to do don't just like force it onto somebody that doesn't want to do it there's somebody else that wants to do it so if that's your problem don't worry there's somebody else that wants to do it but i don't think that's the problem i think the problem is that uh there's a certain type of asshole that gets attracted to uh this sort of vulnerable stigmatized community that uh you know gets away with murder because they're in the fucking kink community. Most have you ever been to a kink club? Everybody there's pretty anonymous. People don't say their first and last name ever. Uh, it depends on the club. Some of them are super anonymous. Some of them are like loose. Um, there are clubs that you just can't even show your real face. You gotta wear a mask and stuff. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of built-in anonymity to the scene, which kind of makes it both amazing and very dangerous. So uh, definitely, you know, if you're new to kink and you want to get into it, and that's why you're listening to the sexual fantasy episode, uh, we're gonna have a whole other kink episode. This kind of they go hand in hand. You can't you can't talk about it and you can't talk about sexual fantasy and not talk about kink. Sorry about it. Um. Yep. All right, that's about it. So next episode probably be about kink or maybe uh, I don't know. Probably that. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you think it should be about. Okay, bye. Ta ta.